Hello, and welcome to another episode of Capsule Production Podcast. Today, I'll be your host, Joe Lazo, and today we have a very special guest, Dr. Alyssa Louder. How are you today? I'm good, Joe, and how are you? I'm doing well. Um, Dr. Louder here. Um, I'll just refer to her as Alyssa. It makes it easier. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> so Alyssa here is uh, somebody that I kind of look up to because she was able to obtain her PharmD and also obtain an MBA while she was still in pharmacy school. So I thought that was really cool. She went the dual degree route, and that's a bit different than I would say a lot of people. A lot of people probably feel pharmacy school is enough, so why get more? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she she did it. She persevered. She did it. And I think that's super cool. So we kind of invited her on today to see if she'd be willing to kind of talk about getting an MBA and how that will impact her career going forward and what was like the decision-making process for her to do that. So to start off, how um, did the process work for you to obtain an MBA while you were in pharmacy school? Yeah. Um, so got my both degrees at UF, uh, finished the PharmD and the MBA program in five years, which was standard for that program. So UF has kind of a joint relationship with the College of Business already established. So I just applied that way. Um, as far as my personal journey, I was very sure early on in my pharmacy school career that that's what I wanted to do. Simply because I have my background in business, I got my bachelor's in business finance. So after graduating undergrad, I knew I wanted to do pharmacy, but I kind of knew I wanted to do both business and pharmacy. So I was looking for schools that offered that. Um, and so even through the application process, applying to pharmacy schools, having that dual degree process was important for me. It was on my list of like things that a program must have. Um, so after I got into pharmacy school, I learned about the process like when I had to apply, what are all the milestones, um, did my GMAT. So I had to study for that while I was in school. Um, we had to get letters of recommendation, um, as well as the interview process, which is like a whole day of interviews at the College of Business. Um, I, I like my process. I knew the people I was working with, because like I said, in this specific program, you apply after your third year. Mm-hmm. And I made my attentions very clear about applying my first year of pharmacy school. So I knew everybody in the College of Business knew me. <laughs> and bother them be like hey um because at least at u.s college of business they're very open about what they're looking for and your competitiveness so it's like look at my resume what do i need to do between now and when i apply um and so i got to know them a lot very well i also you know made sure that my experiences in that first three years of pharmacy school kind of aligned with what i wanted to do so i could speak to them in an interview um mm-hmm. so yeah the process Coming from a person who has a business background is pretty straightforward, but I think that anyone trying to go this route to just make sure to do your research as to what's required so that when that time comes to actually apply and sit for the interviews that you're well prepared. Got it. And then you said the GMAT. So for those that are listening, the GMAT would be uh, for MBA school or for business school, what the PCAT would be for pharmacy. Yes. So it depends on the business school you're applying to. Some require the GMAT, some require the GRE, mm-hmm. which is a different version. So the GRE, I will have to say, is more reading comprehension focus, and the GMAT is more mathematical focus. Um, some require one over the other. Some let you choose, um, and some don't require any at all. But the most common test is going to be the GMAT, and like you said, it's the it's the graduate version of the PCAT. Um, which would you say was harder, the GMAT or the PCAT? Oh, 100% the PCAT. 
<laughs> no, the PCAT was, I had to study for months and months and months because yeah. the PCAT is, because it's about science, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. I had to know physiology and biochemistry and I'd never taken a biochemistry course by the time mm-hmm. I took the PCAT. So I had to learn it for the first mm-hmm. time. I like to say the GMAT is more of a sophisticated SAT. Um, I I will say the GMAT math is quite difficult because it's not actual math. It's logic questions, Mm -hmm. which threw me off. Um, But I think that if you get like a good prep book for the GMAT and you like do a bunch of practice problems, you'll be, you'll be okay. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, PCAT for sure. The hardest of the two. All right. So that's good to know. If you can make it into pharmacy school, then you can probably survive the GMAT then. You'll, you'll, I think like pharmacy students have this kind of work ethic mm-hmm. that I feel like you'll do really well in business school because pharmacy school is a lot of memorization, um, facts, and just regurgitation of facts and processes and stuff. And business school is more critical thinking. Um, how you can you apply this to a scenario? Um, more like high level, like mm-hmm. macro lens kind of kind of thinking and forecasting. And I feel like pharmacy students, there's a lot more dense knowledge in pharmacy school and business school is more conceptual. So I feel like as far as workload and can I, can I do the business degree, your work ethic that you develop in pharmacy school, even to a point translates and kind of over prepares you for what Mm -hmm. you're doing in business school. That makes sense. I could see that it's like, I've, I personally have gone through different uh, skills I would say I acquired or like habits I've developed that I feel have correlated to work life. I feel like it has also contributed to like my personal life and helped me evolve and grow and mature. So I could definitely see how certain skills and traits in pharmacy school that you learn could definitely help in the business aspect or in the business world. Yeah. Okay. So what were like the pros and cons for you to get the MBA in school versus just waiting until after you graduate? So for me, a pro is that um, going into pharmacy school, originally when I decided to go to pharmacy school in high school, all I knew is I wanted to do pharmacy school. But like mm-hmm. after getting my undergrad degree in business, I knew I wanted to do something that had kind of a business lens on it. So I knew that I wouldn't be able to get the kind of job I wanted with just the PharmD degree. I would have to have something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said before, like, that could mean like a fellowship or a residency or something. I need some other kind of education on top of my PharmD. Um, so while I was in school, I was doing research into what I wanted and I ended up landing on industry personally as being kind of the field I wanted to go into. So mm-hmm. the choices narrowed down to fellowship or something else. So when I was looking into it, um, I noticed that we had quite a number of alum at US that were PharmD MBAs that had gone into industry. So I sat down, I talked with them and their experiences. I talked with some of our alum who are fellows, and I just decided that the MBA was the route I wanted to go to personally. So mm-hmm. just because I had made that decision early on about what kind of career I wanted, I didn't want to do pharmacy school and then go back to get my MBA because usually if you don't do a joint degree, business schools require three to five years of work experience before you can apply. Really? Your MBA. So I would have to be out in the workforce doing three to five years of something that I knew I didn't want to do just to be able to go back. Um, and then like for some people that might be okay because you might want to experience one job over the other, mm-hmm. or you might want that work experience to solidify what you actually want to do if you're not quite sure, which is totally fine. But for me personally, since I knew what I wanted to do when I was already here in school, I was like, might as well like one and done 
mm-hmm. don't have to go back to school yeah. <laughs> after I graduate. So for me, those were the pros. So a con that I could see um, is, like I said, if you're a kind of person who you know you want a business degree, but you don't know what you want to do with it, um, it might not be as beneficial to go while you're in school. One thing I learned is that the MBA program, at least at UF, but most MBA programs are very career-driven programs. A lot of people use MBAs to pivot into different industries or to pivot into a different role. But one thing is that it's very important to have a direction that you want to go. Because the first thing they'll ask you when you get into it, you get accepted and you go through orientation, they're like, okay, what do you want to do after you graduate? So some of these programs are a year, some of them are two years, but that's the first question they're asking you, what industry do you want to go into? What role do you want to go into? So there is a little bit of leeway to figure that out while you're in the program, but to get the most benefit out of it, in my opinion, you have to know that at, at the jump. You have to know that at the start of it. Um, so if you're a kind of person who doesn't really know what you want to do with your degree after you graduate, you might not get the best kind of, um, you might not get the best out of the program that you could if you knew what direction you were going into, if that makes sense. I'm glad you mentioned that because I didn't even think about that. With pharmacy school, it's it's like a lot of us still don't know what we want to do, and we spent four years. <laughs> and imagine only spending one year in a program and having to decide like which route in business because it's exactly because at the I don't know about every school, but I'm I'm pretty sure with like that with the UF school, there's like some electives that um you can pick that might be catered more to exactly what you want to do. But if you don't want to do, then you're just picking random courses. Yeah, and with the program you only get like five to nine electives that's all you get um and the electives are very specific they're great but they're very specific like the electives in finance are like venture capital mergers and acquisitions um investment portfolios like they're very specific and like the marketing ones are like um crm which is like computer consumer management um, forecasting, modeling, how do you create a market? So they're very niche electives that if you know you want to do marketing or you know you want to do finance, they're really great at building your resume and building your repertoire of skills. Got it. And um, so with your own, like with your, how did you know exactly what you wanted to do? Um, so <laughs> you have more, the reason why I ask that is because yeah. You probably come from a different perspective because you had a business degree in undergrad. So you probably were more like well informed. So yeah. that's why it's like it's tough for somebody that's probably never did business or maybe did a minor in business administration or something like that and in pharmacy school. So it's mm-hmm. like, how did you make your choice and what are recommendations that you would have for people listening to go about selecting um, yeah. what career folks in? So background on me and and kind of how I got where I am. Like I mentioned earlier, high school, I was like, pharmacy, that's what we're going to do. And I got to UF and I was like, I want to do pharmacy. And they're like, that's not an undergrad major. You have to pick an undergrad major. So I said, okay. They're like, "Um, you can do two years to get your AA and just go straight into pharmacy school. Or you can get a four-year degree. And my parents were big on, you need to get a bachelor's just in case this whole pharmacy thing doesn't work out. So I said, okay. So I looked at all the science degrees. They all required Calc 2. I didn't want to do that. So I said, okay, we're not getting a science degree. Um, and I looked at finance. And I was like, well, you know, pharmacists are res- reasonably high earners. I should understand how my own money works. So we're going to, on a whim, I picked finance as a major because I thought it would be useful. And most importantly, I could still get all my prereqs done in four years and apply to pharmacy school, which was the goal. 
Mm -hmm. um, got to the finance major, ended up loving the business side of things, the critical thinking, the problem solving on like a major scale. So I got to pharmacy school. I was like, okay, we need to figure out how to marry the two together. So when I got into UF, it was the first year that um, IPHO was on Gainesville campus uh, after becoming a colony. Um, and how I decided to do industry was literally I went to an IPHO meeting and they were talking about the different roles you can have in industry. And I was like, this sounds like exactly what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, I also got an internship after my first year of pharmacy school. So I worked at Amgen in California, which is a biotech company. And I worked with the clinical pharmacology department. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, they were working on one of their cholesterol drugs, which was now called Repatha. So that experience further solidified the fact that industry was where I wanted to go. So did Repatha come out first or was it the other one? I always forget the other one. Um, I think the other one did. It's the other PSK9, I think, come out yeah. first and then it was Repatha. I always only remember Repatha. I always forget the other one. Yes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's how, that's kind of like the roundabout way. So if someone asks me, how did I decide industry? I like to say it's a series of, um, decisions I made that didn't seem connected at the time that kind of led me to where I am. Um, my advice for other people trying to understand what they want to do with this degree is to ask questions and talk to people. If you're interested in industry, find someone who works in industry and ask them questions. If you're interested in working for the government, find someone who works in the government and ask them questions. Um, try to get any kind of shadowing experience you can, um, whether it be, you know, in person or at one of these hospitals or research facilities, you know, just reach out and ask people questions because you don't know what you don't know, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the trial and error process I went to. There was a long time there at the beginning that I thought I wanted to do regulatory affairs. So I talked to someone who works in regulatory affairs. I didn't like it. So that's how I decided not to go that route. So it's, it's more about asking questions and exposing yourself to different fields that you didn't know existed before. And you just, did you go about like trying to find people on LinkedIn, getting their yeah. emails, kind of thing? Just- yeah. So LinkedIn, um, anytime any student organization brought someone of interest to campus, I went and then I, if I could, I talked to them afterwards and asked if I could email them later. Um, that's how I got a lot of the people through IPHO. They brought a lot of great people in who worked in industry from various degrees, from like doing a reg affairs job or being an MSL or anything like that. And I tried to have one-on-one conversations with them after the meeting or line up a phone call to ask them questions, pick their brains. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely ways out there to, to reach out. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned earlier that you knew you wanted to do some, something further. You wanted more than just the farm D. You weren't sure if you're going to do a residency, fellowship, um, MBA. You kind of figured that out. But with the getting the MBA, do you feel going that route that you missed out on any networking opportunities rather than doing a fellowship? Um, I feel like instead of missing out, I just replaced it, right? So instead of having the fellowship network, I have my MBA network. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of colleges are different. UF is I like to call, even though we're a public university, I call the U.S. program a boutique school um, because it is very, very tiny. Um, my graduating cohort, my cohort was 34 people. Um, and I think in total at, at any one time through like the one-year program, the two-year program, or the abbreviated one-year program of full-time students, there was maybe between 70 and 90 people on campus in the MBA program at a time. 
Now other schools will have a cohort of like 200, 150. So from that perspective, UF is very small. Um, but we're a very close-knit community. So I still talk to a lot of the people who I graduated with. I still talk to a lot of people who graduated before me. So that network is always there. Um, and then also once you kind of graduate and get into the field, specifically into industry, it is a very small world. So I, I still talk to a lot of people who are fellows. So I have people who are at my company. My company is partnered with MCPHS. So we have a lot of fellows at our company. I talk to a lot of them, which means I also know a lot of their co-fellows and different companies. One of my roommates is an MCPHS fellow at Novartis. So there are a lot of different ways to build your network. Um, I wouldn't say I missed out on building that network. It's more of I'm building it in, in a different way. Got it. And um, MCP, MCPHS, that's the one in Boston, right? Yeah. Boston. Okay. So, yeah. Um, okay, that's good to know because... From what I hear, everybody, first of all, anybody that's listening, if you don't know this, you'll know this soon enough. Pharmacy is a small world. <laughs> yeah. But even more so is industry. And I've just been told from the people that I've spoken to in industry, whether it's MSLs, um, people that have worked in more of the marketing aspect and, and other people who have MBAs, they've all told me, especially with industry, that it's highly, highly network based. So that's yes. why it's intriguing that you went the MBA route rather than fellowship. Cause I know one of the most important things is the having that networking opportunity with fellows. But once again, you know, if you are getting that experience through the MBA, now you just have a different network. It may not be everybody that's in a fellowship, but it's everybody that's involved in business. And that's also a good thing because I'm sure the MBA program is very diverse. Maybe you met doctors, mm-hmm. um, other pharmacists, people from all walks and backgrounds that also can play a big role in creating opportunities for you as well. Yeah. So I, I like to think of it as networking is important. Like you said, industry is a very small world and the way you network is very important. I'm the kind of person who wasn't really into networking at the beginning, but then I realized how important it was to network with people. So I like to think fellowship helps you kind of circumvent a lot of the awkwardness at the beginning because it presents you with a ready-made network. So a lot of the stuff that you have to do to build your own network, it's already done for you because it's ready made. You have a network of fellows that's not only at the company that you're working on, but the university that you're affiliated with, right? Mm-hmm. So you have you already have a built-in network of people who work at a variety of different companies that you can like grow your career in in different aspects. But like you said, my network is the same. It's just built from different people. So not everyone I know. It has a background in pharmacy. They're not PharmDs. Some of them are MDs. Some of them are lawyers. Um, some of them are, you know, a lot of them are like ex-military going to different fields. Also, my network is a lot more than just industry. I know people who work in wine country. I know people who work in tech and different things like that. So it just, it, I think it's more about how you make your network work for you. So, um, and outside of like a fellowship, you should still be like networking with different people in your company and things like that. So it's more about how you make whatever network you have work for you um, mm-hmm. and how you build it after you leave your fellowship. And just to be clear, with with just you per se, with the yeah. MBA program, it was in person, right? It wasn't like online. Yes. I know that's also an option. Yes. Online is definitely an option. Um, my program specifically was a full-time in-person program. So for me, I had to, I did the first three years of pharmacy school, 
and then I have to take a year off to do part of the MBA program in person. So I in Gainesville, the term is up the hill. So I went up the hill to the business school <laughs> every day and had classes up there, sat with my classmates. Um, and then after that first year, I went back to my rotations. So my fourth year rotations were put on pause for a year. So I came back and did those. And then I think I had one class, like a capstone class, the fall of that fourth year of pharmacy school to finish out my MBA mm-hmm. uh, before graduating with both degrees. Got it. Okay. The reason why I ask that is because I, I don't know, but I would assume that it might be a bit more challenging to really build your network if it's online versus in person. Yeah. So with, yeah. you know, like the, the fellowships being in person, as long as, you know, that MBA program is also in person, that probably really helps you build a network. Definitely. Okay. And um, so with that, how do you kind of project the having this dual degree, having this MBA along with the PharmD, how will that impact your career? So I think it it's twofold. So the first one, which is a major reason why I decided to do the MBA with the fellowship, is that it jumpstarts the career. So the position that I have now, I think technically in my company's like hierarchy of like levels of employees, I'm a manager. Mm-hmm. And like I'm a level three manager. Um and I think if I didn't go the MBA route, I would have had to like for lack of a better term, climb the ladder yeah. to get there. So I think the one fold, it jumpstarts my career so that my trajectory is a little bit different than if I hadn't had it to begin with. Um, the other side of the coin, I think, is that it opens up a lot more opportunities um, that than most people kind of realize because the instead of usually people who have secondary degrees or go into different specialty areas, they specialize. So your farm D is like wider. And you specialize and you narrow your scope into what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, from my perspective, the MBA adds on to your farm fee. So it gives you a different business lens that gives you the best of both worlds. So in industry, for example, I can work on the medical side, yeah. working with clinic operations, development, scientific communications, but I can also work on the business side, marketing, finance, strategic uh, development, market access, all these other things. So I can do both. Um, so as far as my personal career strategy, I could, not only could I do both, but I could flip-flop between the two if I wanted to. And it wouldn't really, no one would die to die about me going between one side or the other because I have both degrees that kind of bridge that gap. So I think it helped me jumpstart my career and put me at a place that would have taken me three to five years otherwise to get there. But it also widens what I can do with my career trajectory. So I don't have to stay on one narrow path my entire career. If I wanted to, I could really work transversely across a lot of different fields. Okay. Would you say getting an MBA while post, post-grad, like you said, you have to do like a three to five work experience, three to five years of work experience. Do you think that gaining do you think you missed out on gaining that experience? Because like you said, they kind of put you, you feel like you were put at level three, you know, versus like one or two. Do you feel like, you know, because you didn't have actual work experience, you just have more of the school, you know, the knowledge mm-hmm. from rather than work experience. Do you feel, I don't want to say like missed out or like left out in anything. I don't, yeah. I don't know what for, but yeah, I, I understand what you're trying to say. Yeah. Basically, like I missed the step. Will that yeah. hurt me kind of like, and that's I a, sometimes like, yeah. When you skip the process, some people are built for it, you know, which you might be, <laughs> but <laughs> I would like, so would you like, maybe for you, you're like, yeah, I'm ready for this. I'm ready to skip a step. Like, for example, some people, 
that want to do want to be a clinical pharmacist. They might do a residency to gain experience first before they jump in right after school. Um, so it's like you didn't feel like did you feel like you need that experience or you just felt like you're ready for that for that jump? Yeah, that's a really interesting question, and I think this goes back to what I said earlier about business, specifically business and pharmacy being very two different worlds and different mindsets. Pharmacy is very technical and knowledge based, while business is very conceptual your way of thinking and critical thinking for, to approach a problem. So in your example of a clinical pharmacist, that makes a lot of sense because that's technical knowledge that you don't know that you need to learn mm-hmm. business. It's more of an experience. And I want to say there's like more of an emphasis on soft skills. Um, so when going through the MBA program, a lot of what you do is scenarios and world building and critical thinking to address. How would you address a problem? How would you, solve an issue that a company has or something like that and what people do and why they ask for work experiences because they want you to draw on your past experiences about what you did in your past how that would shape your perspective moving forward one thing i found interesting sitting in those classes is that the way at least at uf the way uf college of pharmacy is set up it's very team-based and it's very collaborative which is what a lot of business is like team-based collaborative leading teams things like that um pulling on my experiences from my clinical rotations that I had had already. Um, so I think that it gave me a different perspective when sitting in those classes and talking about those things. Cause I had more of a, how do I work with like from way back in first year, how do I work with a first year med student to tell them what I do as a pharmacist on this interdisciplinary team project that I'm working on or pulling from experiences, for example, I did one of the global health outreach programs. Like, how do I pull from my experience while I was in Haiti managing that mobile pharmacy, moving from village to village? So I think it's a great question. And for some people, it might be too much. It might be, you know, I need a lot of those experiences to shape my decisions and my perspective in a way that's really helpful. But for me personally, I felt like I had enough life experience, but also kind of the extracurricular things in my background um, to give me that perspective. So I did, when I was in pharmacy school, I did a lot of extracurricular stuff. I was president of IPHO for a while. I was treasurer for Kappa Epsilon in Gainesville. I was one of the head ambassadors while I was there. So I did a lot of different things that on purpose kind of exposed me to different areas um, and different kind of collaborative soft skills that I would need moving forward. Got it. And that's what I was saying. I was like, maybe you did a lot of student orgs and that maybe mm-hmm. helped you become confident in the ability to go ahead and like make that jump and deal with that. Cause yeah. you, know, you might have people that have, well, I'm sure you, you have people that were more experienced than you if it's your first, first time working there. So it's like, yeah. you know, and you might have to lead something. It's like, you know, how do you, how, you know, do you feel comfortable? Is it a bit nerve wracking type of thing? So that's what I was wondering. Oh, yeah. I That's one thing that even with all of this experience that I've had, <laughs> one thing that I've learned that I need to work on is assertive speak, like assertive yeah. language. I do a lot of, I think this. Well, what do we think about this? Instead of saying, no, this needs to be this way. Yeah. Make these changes. So that's one thing that one feedback that I've gotten that I'm starting to work on is assertive language. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, yeah. If you've worked before, and even if you've like worked before, but you've never had a managerial role before, that might be a little difficult for you to to get on. So it's definitely a learning curve for sure if you don't have that work experience. Okay, got it. Thank you for that. 
So what additional skills or knowledge do you think the MBA program provided for you? So I think it goes back to like how to be a leader, how to influence without having authority. So like a lot of soft skills, how to collaborate um, and things of that nature. I think on the flip side also is just like business critical thinking. Um, a lot of the classes you wouldn't think you would need, you use on a daily basis, like financial accounting. What does that mean? <laughs> so like some of those like kind of basic business skills, financial accounting, marketing one-on-one, they do become helpful. But I think the biggest thing that you get from business school is the critical thinking part, how to forecast um, projects down the line. Um, how to look at things from a macro lens and kind of try to see two, three years in the future and try to um, preemptively know what you're going to need and put the business programs and protocols in place in order for those things to be successful. Another thing that that just kind of came to my mind. So now that you got your, your MBA, you're working in industry. I always wonder people in industry, like how much of your farm D do you actually use? How much of like that clinical knowledge do you actually apply in your day-to-day task? So I, it strongly, strongly depends on what role you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to not give her name, but I'm going to use my roommate as an example. Mm-hmm. So my roommate works at Novartis and she is in clinical development. So she uses her farm D knowledge all the time. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. I just took my NAPLEX and I passed and I still don't know half the things that she's talking about. <laughs> yes, I passed that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she uses it literally every day. She's talking about different drugs and like, even if she's in clinical development, so you're talking about products that haven't like reached human trials yet or something like that. She's still using a lot of her PKPD knowledge on a daily basis, comparing it to medications that are on the market, looking at side effects and looking at, you know, biostats things. She's all the time. I right now work in medical affairs um, in rare blood disorders. And basically like what I like to say is medical affairs is basically the people who oversee the drug going from lab to person. So every time a drug moves from like bench research to preclinical to clinical, it's being handed off to different teams, right? Mm-hmm. You move it from the preclinical team to the clinical team. The med affairs team makes sure, makes sure that it's a smooth transfer. Mm-hmm. So I'm far away enough that I don't actually use my farm D knowledge at, at all. I'm more of a person like, okay, this is where we are in the clinical program. It's on phase three. What do we need to do to make sure it moves on to market? Do we have all our publications lined up in a row? What areas do we want to have publications in? Do we have those scientists, investigators lined up? So I'm more of that lens. So that means yeah. there's very little of my knowledge that I use. But I did talk to someone who is on the commercial side, so more of the marketing side. Mm-hmm. She's a um, an, an MD who moved into marketing and asked her, do you use your college of medicine knowledge, your medical knowledge? She said that it's more about you using what you're the way you're taught to think so the scientific method and applying that thought process to your everyday problems so that's what she says she pulls on every day from her medicine days so she doesn't use the what is lisinopril how does you know metformin work in the body she doesn't use any of that stuff anymore but the thought process about how to tackle a problem in a scientific way is something she pulls on every day so i like 
And it, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because that goes back to what we kind of talked about earlier about skills translating. So yeah. back to how you, you referenced like how some of the pharmacy stuff translated to the MBA program. Now that translates for that MD, the College of Medicine um, skills that she learned translated to how she critically thinks when it comes to the commercial side. So that's yeah. Okay. Because that's something that I, I personally always wonder. It's like, how often do some of these people really use their degree? Yes. Like, do they feel like it was a waste of time? Like, should they have just gone into the MBA and just do that rather than do the farm D? But yeah, it, yeah. So, like, I said, it really depends on the job. If you want a life in clinical development and like clinical trials management, you'll use it every day. You'll use it every day. Is there? Would you say there's any like fields in industry that maybe an MBA isn't really useful or not needed? Um, I think if you want to stay in like close to the molecule, close to the science, like doing mm-hmm. clinical development, mm-hmm. um, CRO management, which are the clinical research organizations that kind of do the clinical trials. That's um, a PhD, PharmD type of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a PhD, PharmD type of thing. What I think the PharmD business degree kind of comes in when you're talking about overall management of a program or projecting where a program is going to be in two to three years and making sure it gets there successfully. That's where you, you get into the business degree. Got it. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good. So what advice do you kind of have for like any students listening on how to, who are like on the fence about pursuing a dual business degree and, you know, kind of sway them one way, whether to go pursue it or the other way to not pursue it. Like, what would be your advice and recommendation that you have for that? I think my advice for that kind of melds with my advice for just anything about what you want to do. It's first find out what you want to do. And that's like I said, explore your options, ask questions. If you're even remotely curious about something, reach out and ask somebody about it or try to figure out a way that you can get some shadowing experience or some kind of hands-on experience in that area. Get involved in different organizations that are on your campus. Um, if there is no school organization that's about your specific interest, try to start one. See if there's any interest um, that exists. The other thing I would say is that after you figured out what you want to do, figure out how you can get there. So that's kind of like I, what I did. I knew I wanted to do pharma. So I wanted to say, how, how, what are the paths that I can get there? There's the traditional fellowship path, right? Yeah. Um, are there any other paths that no one talks about? So that's how I kind of found like the MBA path. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead and finish. I'll, I'll ask this. (laughs) Okay. Um, yeah, so that's how I found the MBA path by asking what are all of the options? And then once we have all of the options, we'll talk about which one works best for me. Um, so I think at the heart of anything is ask, ask as many questions as you can and get as much experience as you can. And once you know what you want to do, make sure that passion translates to people you're talking to. Because if you're passionate about what you're looking for, People are more willing to like take part and help you out to get what you need to do. Definitely. I was going to ask if there was any other um, ways to get into industry besides the MBA and the fellowship that you know of. Yeah. So I actually know quite a lot of people who became either MSLs or sales reps right out of pharmacy school. Um, so working the field is a good way to get in if you, um, decide not to do a fellowship or an MBA, or if you're trying to get into the field, but those options aren't available to you. That's a really good way. And a lot of people who like work sales for two to three years, and then they move in-house to the company, 
kind of like that, like I said mentioned before, like working your way up the ladder, like getting a foot in the door of the company. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's another way that you could do it. Smart. I didn't think about that. Yeah, because like one thing I I think um, school doesn't really expose you to is the different ways to really get a job. I think that's something yeah. you kind of just got to talk to people or just kind of think about and figure it out on your own because I know a lot of people feel like, oh, I have to do a residency to get a job at the hospital. Like, no, you, I know people who they purposely did rotations, like their block mm -hmm. at a small rural hospital because they felt like if they did a great job there, maybe they would hire them. And that did happen. So that way yeah. they didn't have to do a residency. Or I remember looking, like I just checked like the job market right before COVID happened and stuff like that. I was on um LinkedIn and a couple other I think indeed.com, like a couple other sites I signed up for like clinical pharmacy jobs and there was quite a bit. They, the hours weren't the best. <laughs> they were like the overnight hours, like third shift type hours, but, um, they might throughout Florida where you could get a job and they didn't care if you just graduated or were about to graduate. They were fine. I, I feel like pharmacy school in general kind of pushes the narrative that after you graduate, you'll be a community pharmacist or a clinical pharmacist. Those are the two options you have and that's all you have. Yeah. Um, and we don't really talk about the fact that there's a wide world of opportunities. Um, like you mentioned before, there's the farm PhD program that's, yeah. you know, you can do bench research, you can work for the government, you can write papers. Yeah. There's the farm MPH program, which is like a master's in public health. So you can go kind of the public health sector. And even within the farm MBA program, it's not just like a channel for industry. It's, it's anything that you want to do that has a business lens to it that touches pharmacy, a pharmacy MBA can help you. So we're talking like working higher up the chain in like Walgreens or CVS. So working for the corporate entity or being a district manager a little faster or working within the FDA. So your counterparts to industry. Or there's even like roles that are in like the NIH and the CDC for pharmacy MBA. So it really just widens your your applicable pool of jobs you can do rather than just keeping it to like the really narrow focus that pharmacy school seems to have, which is like community and hospital. Definitely. And that's one of the reasons why we have this podcast is kind of like expose people to all these different things. Cause there's so many things that you probably didn't think about, like nuclear pharmacy, um, compounding and multiple types of compounding pharmacies as well. Veterinary pharmacy. I think, mm -hmm. I don't know anything about it, but I think that'd be pretty cool. Like if you love animals and that's, I know plenty of people that love animals and if you love drugs, why not combine both? <laughs> well, yeah. You know, it's just like, but that's something that you may not get exposed to and you don't even think about. And then you kind of like have in your mind that you made up, like you kind of made up in your mind, like, oh, I'll do community or I'll do hospital. And it's like when somebody gives you this new idea, you're just like, no, I can't go away from this. So that's why yeah, it's cause, like. Cause to you, to you, it's like, this is some unknown thing that no one's ever done because no one's ever told me. Yeah. So why would I do it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, what? No. Um, yeah. So, okay. Thank you for that. So that's cool. Sales reps. So I'll definitely, um, that's something else I'll, I'll mention to anybody that I know that's interested in the industry, like another route, if they don't want to do a fellowship or maybe if they don't get a fellowship. Yeah. You want to do like, I know some people do like residency as like a backup or something like that for a year, but maybe, um, try being a sales rep at a company too. Okay. And then, um, I have a, I have a personal question for you. So it's up to you if you want to answer this one. Yeah. No problem. Is there anything like super interesting that you learned about not in the MBA program, but from your, your colleagues or classmates? Like maybe you said somebody was like in wine. Like, did you learn 
a lot about wine? Did you like start investing in wine or something like this? Like, was there any super cool, interesting things that you learned from? from I any- think I, I, I learned things that I don't think I thought about before. So I have a friend who she originally was um, in hospitality and she used okay. the MBA to pivot into wine country. So I'm learning a lot now. Okay. Oh my gosh, what wine should I buy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she, cause she works for a company that like is it's called E&J Gallo. But it's like, you don't, you've never heard of them because all of their brands don't have the company name on it. So this is the company that owns things like Barefoot Wine and like uh-huh. high, high end wines like Dark Horse. Like they mm-hmm. span that and they also own a bunch of like different rums and tequilas and whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. But I think the most thing I learned from a colleague was my other friend, Nicole. She pivoted from nonprofit into marketing. And I learned exactly how hard it is to run a nonprofit and the things that they have to go through to kind of get their work done, which I guess um, from like before, I never knew anybody who worked in a nonprofit. So I never thought about the fact that a lot of their funding comes from donations. So from big donors. So how do you swoon a big donor to give you a lot of money? And how do you manage that relationship year after year to make sure that they're happy enough to give you the money that you need to do the work you're trying to do? So learning about the nonprofit world, I think is definitely one of the most interesting things I learned from her. Yeah, that's that's something I definitely did not think about. Yeah. <laughs> the, She's like, it's hard. <laughs> I was like, yeah. No, I bet. I bet. <laughs> and um, and that's what's cool. Like, it's, like in pharmacy too, you'll meet people from different backgrounds, but not as much work experience as you would obviously in an MBA. So that's why I wanted to ask that because I'm sure you learned a lot about different things, whether it was investing, um, wine, nonprofits, like different things just about life. And I think that's, that's cool to be exposed and to kind of be knowledgeable about, um, different aspects of life that you never really knew much about. Yeah. It's not only industries either. It's like jobs, right? So I have a friend who pivoted from higher education. He worked in higher education. Now he works in HR and a big tech mm-hmm. company. So I'm like, I go to him with all my HR questions. <laughs> Granted, he doesn't work in my company. He doesn't work the same industry I'm in. But I'm like, why? Why do we do this? Why? Why does HR want this for me? <laughs> Somehow yeah. he, he manages to answer my questions. So yeah, uh, you learn a lot from a lot of different people. And like back we said in the beginning, it's the network you build. And networking is not just to get a job, but to kind of widen your own perspective of things. So there's a lot of different ways that a network could be really valuable to you. Got it. All right. Well, that's it for the questions that I had for you. So thank you for, for answering everything that I had. Um, do you have any questions for me before I let you go? Yeah, I did have one. You guys are in your fourth year, right? Yes, we are. How's rotations going? I'm so curious. How oh. is it? How, how are rotations in this virtual environment? Because when I finished my rotations, when the pandemic hit, my last rotation was canceled. But I had taken eight rotations instead of seven. So instead of doing a different one, I just took my block off. So I didn't get to experience virtual rotation. So what's that been like? So how it went for us was kind of similar. So I only did seven rotations. So what happened was everybody's first rotation was canceled, which I still feel like was dumb because my first rotation, I had my block off. But they removed that and they made us do a online, a virtual course. And a lot of, I feel like a lot of people didn't like it. I honestly personally enjoyed it, but it was basically like class again. It would be on Mondays. You would have 
self-care topics. Mm -hmm. So you'll have like one professor that kind of runs it and then a couple other professors that are grading you. So you'll have one professor that like randomly calls on you and presents a, a patient or the professor will be the patient. And then you'll just have to ask some questions, self-care, stuff like that. So Monday was self-care um, in the morning. I feel like we did something else in the afternoon, but I don't remember right now. Um, Wednesday, we had Wednesday morning, we would be in like a super small group. It would be like 12 of us. And this would be a all campuses. So Jacksonville, yeah. uh, um, Gainesville. So we would be, there would be 12 of us. You have one professor and that professor would also be your grader. And you'd either have to like present a patient case or just like kind of do different things. Like one time we kind of just talk about like CV interview stuff. So it was, it was a multitude of different things for a couple hours. And then later on that day, you would be, there would be a topic that it would focus on. So let's just say it might've been like pneumonia and there would be a patient, but we'd have to ask questions. And after we asked the patient questions, the professors would ask us questions like, why do we ask that? Why does that matter? And stuff like that. Because we would have to gather information to write a soap note that mm -hmm. would on Thursday. And that soap note you would do with your team. And that would be your team that you had during your third year. So mm -hmm. you would have on Thursday and then Friday, you would have basically, they would just grill you about your soap note and like, why did you select this? What is this drug's mechanism of action? Um how is this clinical relevant? Like sometimes they wouldn't really pester you about trials, but knowing the trials, like why this drug was useful and stuff like that would be helpful. But a lot of people didn't like it because it was like class again and it stripped them from a rotation experience. Yeah. Um, so a lot of us had to cancel one. So me, I had to pick one and I dropped my critical care rotation. Even Like I said, it was my block off, but they're like, hey, if you want to block off, you would have to drop a rotation. So I decided to drop my critical care one. Um, but so that's what that was. I personally didn't mind it because it's like, we're only there like three days. Mm -hmm. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it's like you get a day off. And I thought it was kind of nice rather than five days a week. Yeah. <laughs> going to rotation. And I, and I thought it was really beneficial because it kind of helped rehash a lot of important stuff, diabetes, COPD, COPD, asthma, pneumonia. Uh, I think it was like ACS. Um, acute coronary syndrome. Sorry, I shouldn't use acronyms for people that don't know. Um, and I think there was like another disease state that we like focused on per week for like our Wednesday course. So I thought it was like a great refresher of a lot definitely. of that. And I definitely, it helped me prepare for rotation. So I really enjoyed it. So that's what it started off with. That was everybody's first rotation. And it was just like a satisfactory grade. It wasn't like a A, B, or C, anything like that. And then um after that it was depending on what rotations you had i know some people had rotations where they had to do virtual stuff like i know somebody who was at like the va they had to do like virtual work for like the first couple of weeks and then mm -hmm. they were doing but i was fine i started off at community so i was at Publix, and it was typical Publix, <laughs> typical stuff um of course you know less really patient interaction as far as yeah patients weren't really coming in because they could come like outside and we could like drop it off in the car. Yeah. Um, we have a drive through where I was at. Okay. That was an option. I felt like that they had less patients that would come up and ask questions just because of like COVID and stuff like that. They didn't really want to be in the pharmacy or out. Cause that was still early where a lot of people had more fear. Um, that was June. Yeah. June. 
And then after Publix, I was at Advent Health Celebration and I completed my block there. So I had uh, um, care hospital practice and gen med, but it was same old stuff. My care was, it was a Coumadin clinic, so it was a bit different because we had to do curbside INR checks. Interesting. Yeah, so some stuff had to be transitioned to curbside and it would not be the best when it's July. So, <laughs> but it's July and August, and if you know Florida and the heat, yeah. But uh, besides that, it was it was good. It was a good experience. Um, and then, yeah, like it was. It didn't affect me much, but I know other people where some of their rotations, like they weren't. Some people have their like their entire schedules changed because some certain hospitals weren't taking places or certain sites weren't. Other people had, like, um, my co-host, Sean, his whole entire schedule changed. Like, he doesn't have every month he's at a different place just because of, every like, how his schedule was before. And certain places are like, no, we're not taking students then. So his whole thing got messed up. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was, like, stripped, I think, of, like, two electives, and he had to get put in, like, whatever would take him. So fortunately, my experience hasn't changed much. I just had to drop – uh, critical care, but it worked out for me because Gen Med at Advent Health um, Celebration is basically critical care. So, oh, so, awesome! <laughs> so it worked out for me. So I got the critical care experience either way. But yeah, it hasn't made much of a difference. Um, I do know coming up, I have I'm going to be at Guardian Pharmacy, so that's a geriatric pharmacy. And I was informed if I wanted to go to like a neighbor facilities, I would have to do like constant like COVID testing. Mm-hmm. Um, if I want to go to like any of the assisted living and nursing nursing homes, so that's something that I don't know like how easy that would be if I'm also supposed to be there. Yeah, <laughs> so, how to get the testing? So I don't know how that's going to work out with me seeing that. And I know that's what a lot of upperclassmen have told me has been re- very rewarding about that experience was going to the nursing homes or the assisted living facilities. So that might be kind of a bummer if I don't get to experience too much of that just because of COVID. But that's the only thing I see it affecting because my last rotation will be specialty pharmacy. Um, oh, okay. So that's already kind of yeah. closed door. Yeah. So I don't expect that to be an issue at all. So it really hasn't affected me, but it's definitely impacted um, other other people's patients. So I've been very fortunate in that aspect. Nice. Yeah. But that's all I would say. Um, it's been, it's also interesting too. I think something I talked to one of my professors about was, I don't watch the news too much, but yeah. I do. I feel like they just focus on the adults, and it's like the age population. I'm like, they're not that old. <laughs> like these adults that I was seeing in the hospital, you know, it's like 40s, 50s, maybe even like late 30s. Yeah, these people are only like 10 to 20 years older than me. Like they're not geriatric. So it's just like it had me like rethinking this. You know, some of the stuff like the media puts out and like. Uh, like you know, we all got to be careful because it could be our parents that mm-hmm. um, it's not just grandparents, you know, and also people our age have gone in and stuff like that. But for the most part, I don't know anybody like around my age that had any bad symptoms. But yeah, definitely seeing people that are close, like within twenty years of my age, and having some like in the ICU suffering and seeing how they're suffering too. I was able to see that. I wasn't allowed to go into the rooms because they didn't mm-hmm. get the N95 mask, but um, in the ICU, they had like clear windows, so you could see the patient struggling. You could see yeah. it. Like, I don't wish that on anybody. So, 
that was something that um definitely gave me a different perspective and made me like amp up on all the the uh the um not the masks because I was already doing that but like extremely always washing my hands <laughs> like <laughs> touch something like gotta have a hand sanitizer in your pocket in the car like everywhere mm-hmm. so that was something that was a bit eye-opening I would say definitely um like seeing seeing people go through that and not only that seeing their families go through that it's it's tough because yeah. a lot of them can't go or it's like they'll just be outside you know the the hospital but they can't like they can't touch them they can't see them so it's just like, or outside the, the ICU unit and stuff like that. Yeah. That was something that I would say was, was, uh, something I wasn't expecting definitely different. Awesome. Any other questions? Nope. That was it. All right. Well, hopefully I, I answered that well. <laughs> um, it was great. So thank you so much for, for coming on. Is there any way for people to get in contact with you if they had any questions? Yes. So it's Alyssa Louder on LinkedIn. Um, I'm also on Facebook, but I don't use Facebook. I still get a lot of like friend requests from kids in pharmacy school and I accept them, but I'm just like, I don't open this app more than like once a week. (laughs) So LinkedIn is definitely the way to to go if you want to contact me. Cool. LinkedIn. Um, All right. So I'll go ahead and put her LinkedIn in the show notes um, whenever we release this episode. So anybody that wants to go out and contact um, just let her know you you um heard of her from Capsule Production Podcast and yep. how, how great she is, how much <laughs> you know. Let her know let her know how awesome she is and um thank you so much for coming on. And, no problem. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. And um for anybody that has, you know, any questions for me, Sean, anybody else that's part of the podcast team, um, as you already know, just reach out to us. We're on Instagram, Facebook. Um you can also Find us on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Jeff's on LinkedIn. Brandon's on LinkedIn. So there's quite a bit of us on LinkedIn. If you want to reach out to us on there, Facebook as well. You can go on our Instagram page, Capsule Production. We have a link tree that has all of our personal accounts. If you want to reach out to us anywhere on there, or if you want to just reach out to us on Instagram, you can do that too. Just remember on Thursdays, we have Tester Knowledge Thursdays where we go ahead and put up a one question quiz um, on our IG story and, um, Something that we've either learned from, or something, yeah, something that we either learned either from like the NAPLEX or through our preceptors on rotations. So you guys can kind of get a feel of like some preceptor type questions and also different important clinical pearls that you should definitely have going towards rotations and throughout your career. So definitely check that out on Thursdays and over the weekend, we usually post a rationale for that. So um, if there's any questions, you know how to get in contact with us. And once again, we'll go ahead and leave um, Alyssa's LinkedIn in the show notes so you can reach out to her if you have any questions about industry or the MBA. All right. Thank you, guys.